Welcome to Living Biblically, a podcast from Graceland Church. Join us as Pastor Nate shares biblical wisdom that we can use in our daily lives and relationships to help us put Jesus first in our lives for our neighbors. Hey, do you ever think about what is your greatest problem in life? Oftentimes we think that it's medical, it's financial, it's emotional, it's mental. But as we look at the scriptures, the scriptures are overwhelmingly clear that your greatest problem, my greatest problem is our sin and the punishment, the condemnation, the reality that sin uh, will bring and is bringing in your life, in my life, in terms of chaos, brokenness, conflict, addiction, enslavement, um, misappropriated and misunderstood identity. And there's a wonderful passage. I preached this several weeks ago at Graceland Church, where I serve as one of the pastors, in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, I believe, where uh, if you're familiar with the Bible, it is the the healing of the paralytic. Uh, this paralytic uh, obviously was, was relegated to a mat. Um, he was completely and utterly dependent upon other people for any type of assistance. It was much more dangerous than than it is today. Today, there's all sorts of uh, special services and organizations and government initiatives that come alongside people that can help with people who have paralysis, uh, disability. And uh, this man was relegated to a mat, and he had some friends that had heard about this person named Jesus and wanted to get their friend to Jesus. And so you you probably know some of the, the details of the story. They they uh, the the roof of most first century Jewish homes was about probably almost a foot thick. They would have timber, then there would be branches, and then there'd be like mud mixed with straw, and it would be about a foot uh, uh, dense. I mean, it was uh, it was almost like concrete. And so they dig this hole through the roof. They lower the man, their friend, through the roof, which was, which really must have been an amazing spectacle to think about as Jesus is preaching on the kingdom of God and what it means to be a follower of him and how the king has arrived, Jesus, is preaching, and this man, this grown man on a mat is lowered through the roof. And one of the things that I think is, is explicit in this passage is identity. Identity. He looks at the, the man and his friends and says, on account of your faith, your sins are forgiven. Now, you and I are both thinking, Jesus, I'm paralyzed. Oh, or I've got, I've got cancer. I've got a brain tumor. I've got six months to live. Or I, I can't walk. I mean, I appreciate the declaration about my sin, but really what I need is I need physical healing. And Jesus is committed to giving us what we don't understand really is our ultimate need. There is a writer, Cynthia Heimel, who wrote, I think when God wants to play a reality, a really rotten, practical joke on you and me, he grants us our deepest wish. I think when God wants to play a really rotten, practical joke on you and me, he grants us what our deepest wishes. And in Mark chapter 2, the paralyzed man thought his deepest desire, his deepest need was to be healed physically. 
And Jesus is essentially saying to the paralyzed man, I'm not going to give you what you think you need, but I'm going to give you something more. And you always get something more when you come to Jesus. The Bible says our real problem is that every one of us is building our identity on something else. And Jesus says, and, and I love what Tim Keller says, and I'm going to read this a lot of several of the next the next several minutes. It's going to be me reading from a book called The King's Cross, the story of the world and the life of Jesus. And it's Timothy Keller walking through uh, really in a very fast-paced way um, the gospel of Mark, which is already a very fast-paced a recording of the work of Jesus. The gospel of Mark is like it's like a movie. It's like 30,000 feet. It moves through things really quickly, not a lot of detail. And, and Keller does that as he walks through the gospel of Mark. But he says that Jesus says, you see, if you have me, I will actually fulfill you. And if you fail me, I'm always going to forgive you. I'm the only Savior who can do that. But it's hard to figure that out, right? I mean, it's hard to understand that even if you've been a believer a long time, it's hard to remember that our greatest problem is our sin and the greatest rescue and solution is the salvation that Jesus has um, brought about in our lives if you're a believer in Christ. A lot of us start going to God um, by going to church because we have problems. We're asking God to give us a little boost over the hump so that we can get back to saving ourselves, back to pursuing our deepest wish. The problem is, is that we're looking to something besides Jesus as our Savior. And Keller writes that C.S. Lewis talks about this very thing in his book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. There's, there's a boy, a, a young boy named Eustace, and everybody hates him. <laughs> everybody hates Eustace. He's a little arrogant turd. He's an arrogant brat. And, and Eustace, consequently, hates everybody as well. He's selfish. Uh, he's mean. Nobody gets along with him. And he finds himself magically on a boat called the Don Treader. And he's taking this great voyage. I mean, you should read the book. You should watch the movie. It's really an, an amazing, an amazing book. And, and it's really an amazing movie. And at one point, the boat pulls onto an island and Eustace wanders off and finds a cave. And, and the cave proves to be filled with, with diamonds and rubies and gold and all sorts of just really incredibly valuable treasure. And he thinks to himself, I am rich. I'm rich. And immediately, because he is who he is, he thinks that now he'll be able to pay everybody back. That's the first thing. I'm going to be wealthy, and I'm going to be able to pay everybody back. And anyone who's ever laughed at him, sneered at him, maligned his character, hurt him, stepped on him, slighted him. Now they're going to pay. They're going to pay. And Eustace, in the book, he, he then falls asleep on the pile of treasure, which he doesn't yet know is the hoard, is, is, the, is the treasure of a dragon. And because he falls asleep with greedy, dragonish thoughts in his heart, when he wakes up, Again, this is not reality, but when he wakes up, he wakes up as a dragon. He's big, he's terrible, he's scary, he's ugly, and he soon realizes there is no way out. He can't get on the boat. He's going to be left on the island alone without seemingly the people that he hated previously, but now he wants their help, and he's going to be in this horrible state for the rest of his life, and he falls into despair. 
And, and, and Keller writes that one day, uh, as he's recounting this book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader by C.S. Lewis, one day the great lion Aslan shows up. He leads him into a clear pool of water and tells him to undress and jump in. And suddenly Eustace, Eustace realizes that undress means take off the dragon skin. Take off the dragon skin. How in the world? And what he does, he begins to gnaw and claw off the scales, and he realizes that he can actually shed his skin. And as he's working at it, he finally peels off the skin, but to his dismay, he finds that underneath he's got another layer of dragon skin. He tries a second time. He tries a third time to no avail, no success. Each time he peels and claws away a layer of skin, the same thing happens every time. And in the end, the lion, Aslan says this, you're going to have to let me go deeper. You're going to have to let me go deeper. And here's how Eustace tells the story later. He says, I was afraid of his claws, I can tell you, but I was pretty nearly desperate now. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. Well, he peeled the beastly stuff right off, just as I thought I'd done it myself the other three times, only they hadn't hurt. And there it was lying on the grass, only ever so much thicker and darker and more knobbly looking than the others had been. Then he caught hold of me and threw me into the water. It, it smarted like anything, but only for a moment. Then I saw I had turned into a boy again. And here's what Keller writes. And I want you to think about identity. For many of us, it's hard to read and think about that passage without getting emotional. Because like the paralyzed man in Mark chapter 2, and like Eustace, we thought that if we could just get a little bit of help, we can save ourselves. But we learn, and this is a lifelong lesson, a lifelong pursuit. Jesus wants to take us deeper. We have to let him use his claws, so to speak, and go all the way to our heart and reconfigure the main thing that our heart wants. It, 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 you see, it's, it wasn't our deepest wish itself that was the problem, that is the problem. It's just as it wasn't, just as it wasn't wrong for the paralytic to want to walk or for the celebrity to want to succeed or for Eustace to want to be loved and respected. The fact that we thought that we were getting our deepest wish would heal us, would save us, that is the problem. We have to let Jesus be our Savior to the depth of our hearts. And so many times, functionally, we don't. When Jesus says to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven, he is doing something unexpected, so unexpected that it triggers a clash with the religious leaders of the day. But what Jesus is unrelentingly committed to doing is going deep in your heart 
and going deep in my heart and helping us understand that our deepest desire, our deepest need is for him. What or who are you building your life upon? If you build your life upon anything or anyone else other than the person and the work of Jesus, it is destined to crumble and leave you deeply unfulfilled. But the person who yields their life to Jesus will understand there is no depth and there's a breadth and there's a width to the love that God has manifested in the person and the work of Jesus. And Jesus wants to go deep, not just when you become a Christian, but functionally day after week, after month, after year, after decade, to continually be reminded that our identity needs to be founded and rooted in the person and the work of Jesus. Take care. Have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to Living Biblically. We hope this episode encouraged you today. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at questions at gracelandbaptist.org.